Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. Joining us here for episode 74, I'm Tom, joined as always by Jim. Jim, how are you? I am good. I think uh, mostly the frog in my throat has left from last week, so occasionally my, my voice catches or I do cough. I'll try to mute coughs, but um, feeling a little, well, I wasn't feeling bad last week, but I, hopefully I'm sounding a little more myself today than I did uh, last week. I don't know. I didn't listen back last week. Um, I don't know if you listened back to last week's or not, Tom, but uh, I, I download every week so that we get the download count, but I don't necessarily always listen back. So hopefully I sound a little better today. I think you do personally. Well, I, well, I don't, I, yeah, this last week has been a blur. So I, there's a good chance I did uh, listen to this show and I just can't remember. Like we were talking about right before we hit record today. Uh, I it's, it's Friday. We're recording on Friday. I couldn't recall if I watched all of raw this week or not. Again, that says <laughs> something about me and also about the product. Uh, right. I was going to say there, there are two sides to that coin on in that, in that specific instance, for sure. Um, well, today uh, we're just kind of doing a freestyle episode uh, for those who are listening and uh, going to probably wander around wrestling a little bit and talk about different things. We didn't have anything that really screamed like, okay, they're, thankfully WWE didn't fire a whole bunch of people this week. To the best of our knowledge, it's early on Friday morning, so you never know. That could still happen today, um, but <clears throat> they haven't done that. Um, I think there have been some newsworthy things that have happened, but I think we can talk about them. Um, through Tom, we didn't mention, uh, but I think you have seen all of AEW this week, correct? I have, yes, and I have as well. I actually originally told you I would not see it before we recorded, and I didn't get a chance to update you and say that um, things changed last night, and I had more time home alone than I thought, um, so I was able actually to finish AEW uh, and most of NXT this week. I, I still need to see the finish to Styles Waller I'm about halfway through that match, but. Um, I have a rough idea what I think might happen there, but but I don't know on that. But let's talk AEW. We I I don't remember now if we talked them last week much, but I know for a while there we were pretty WWE and New Japan and other thing heavy. Um, what? So I've seen some some varying. Uh, I don't know varying, but some comments on this week's show specifically. What what was your thought, Tom, on this week's show and kind of where AEW has been? recently and then at some point here i also want to talk about battle of the belts um but uh yeah kind of so just to, just to reset um just kind of as a as an entry point when we had recorded last week i had seen all of dynamite uh and we had talked a little bit about the world title match uh which again was a big um oh, that's right. a, big, a big deal uh arguably one of one of if not the match of the year already for 2022 um, you had not seen the main event yet, which you did later, and you. Yeah, I loved our exchange uh, through message later <laughs> later in the day uh, when you were like, "Oh my goodness!" When you saw um, uh, Ray Phoenix get get injured, unfortunately. Yeah. But again, it's it's a dislocation uh, and right. not a not a break, and, so that's great. And how lucky that it was. I mean, because it looked, I mean, it looked like a dislocation, yes. But often when it dislocates that badly, there's also a break involved. And we've seen that, you know, especially in leg injuries with people like Dak Prescott and um, and others. And, uh, oh, man, I, it looked really bad. I'm glad. I haven't heard yet how long he'll be out. But Well, even even Monday in the national championship game with Alabama and Georgia, the Alabama's receiver in the second quarter had a wide-open catch, turn, you know, caught it with his back to the end zone, turned around and ran and planted wrong and, and – had jacked up his left knee. So 
yeah, I mean, it's stuff happens freak, freakishly all the time. So anyhow, we had we we hadn't gotten through all of AEW last Wednesday because because of where things were at. Then of course there was Rampage on Friday, uh, which saw the main television debut of Jake Atlas, who also ended up getting injured in that match with Adam Cole. Uh, and th- and then the Battle of the Belts, and then AEW this week. So I apologize. I wanted to reset that. We'll, uh, no, that's re- re- Restate your question about about what you were asking uh, in what, in regards to AEW. Just what do you think of this week's show? But but maybe we can start by backing it up. Maybe we maybe we'll go more chronologically um, because I think there is some things to say about Rampage last week. I think there's definitely some things to say about Battle of the Belts, and then maybe we get to this week. Sure. Uh, so. I thought Rampage last Friday was fine. Uh, I thought the Cole Atlas match was was quite good. Disappointing to have Atlas get hurt the way he did. Uh, you, Adam Cole was incredibly uh, professional and gentle on the on that tap out finish, but he was doing it to protect Atlas. Well, although, did you notice Atlas tapped on his knee for a quick second and then quickly moved his hand to like his hip because I think he was like. Oh wait, that hurt! Don't do that! Don't hit yeah. myself in the bad knee. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, and uh, and of course, then there was more build there with uh, with Rio and and Britt Baker for the night after, which was Battle of the Belts. Uh, that being the, the the headline match there, um, we had broken, you had broken by way of what you learned when we were recording a week ago that Cody had gone into health and safety protocols, and then they were going to be an interim. Uh, TNT title match or something something that we, maybe we didn't know at the time it was going to be interim. I think we just knew there was going to be a change. Annette had actually let us know that. Yeah. Yeah, and then and and then that's what led to uh, you know what happened at Battle of the Belts which we'll talk about. The main event was fine. Um it, it this is a good thing and it does carry over into this week too. So Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz, Chris Jericho the Inner Circle and then Daniel Garcia and 2.0. Lots of stuff's going on there. Uh, it seems like it's Kingston Garcia, but it's also Kingston going back to his roots and trying to pull Santana and Ortiz. Like, I don't know, to, not, to, to his side is the wrong term, but like out of the inner circle. He, he, he point blank this week on Rand, or on Dynamite said the reason they're not champs is because of Jericho. And he pointed right at his face. So, so what's the end game? What's the end game there? Is, is it Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho? Is it is it Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz versus Jericho, Hager, and Guevara? I, I, what are your thoughts? Um, I think. Oh, by the way, your mic is a little. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's what yeah. I, I wear collared shirts or I don't shave. Today I am fully shaved. But now it's the zipper. I think I can hear. Um, <laughs> so um, we get a little more. It's t-shirt, but we get a little more of the chest to Tom Bobo. Uh, but um, yeah, it's a little interesting. So. I remember reading a few different times that Jericho has said in the past, he wants the inner circle to be the faction that's never broken up. Um, Like they go and do their own thing for a while and they come back together and we've seen that, but we've never seen other than Guevara was out for a little bit and then back in, which maybe was a little more red herring than anything. Uh, So I think that part's interesting in, in the Kingston trying to kind of stir the pot thing. I, I think we're headed to Kingston Jericho. I, I'm sure we're headed to Kingston Jericho at some point. It's It could be revolution. I mean, that's all the way still seven or eight weeks away, six or seven weeks away. Uh, <clears throat> but it seems like they're definitely starting to um, set up some of the things that 
that will lead to that. I, I think that's where we get MJF Punk, or if we get MJF Punk before that, it's going to be some sort of a schmoz, you know, not really happen. Uh, <clears throat> but that's where we actually get the first real MJF Punk match. Uh, again, by the way, uh, just a side squirrel um, on MJF and Punk, they're doing this in the wrong order again. Like, why is Spears not before Wardlow? Why don't, why didn't they have Punk face Spears? Like, you, it feels like these should be getting harder for Punk, like, much like with the five labors of Jericho. And Spears was the first labor of Jericho. Like, that started fine, and then Gage was second, where we felt like maybe that should have been last. But, I don't know, the order feels weird again. Like, you did the Wardlow thing, and there's a whole lot we could talk about in that match and in, uh, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. I, I think we will, but I, but but do you finish your thought? If if or what else you have to say on on the whole Kingston Jericho? Yeah, and and then and, and then also maybe we've, where does where do you see Daniel Garcia going? Uh, but then I'd love to transition to talking about MJF Punk, Wardlow Spears, that whole thing, and, and where I think that's headed. So, um, I I think we're headed to Kingston Jericho. I don't. I think proud. Proud and powerful. Is that what they call themselves? I don't feel um, they use that name very well. I know. Like it gets thrown in every once in a blue moon, but um, basically Ortiz and Santana. Um, I don't think they're leaving the inner circle. I, I think they're going to be torn between the two, you know, because they're friends with both. But I, I don't think they're going to turn or something like that. Um, might be teased a little bit. You know, there might be dissension, but I think in the end, I, I think in the end they're not, but they're also, I don't, I don't see them necessarily attacking Eddie Kingston either. I think it's just going to be kind of where they're like, you know what, this is your guy's problem. We're out. Um, you guys figure it out. Not our problem. Uh, <clears throat> is That's my assumption. Uh, as far as Daniel Garcia, I, you know, he's a guy that I think 2023, 2024 um, could be a pillar for AEW. I just think he's that good. Um, I was amazed and I kind, I kind of knew it, but I was amazed when on Wednesday they were talking about, uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday he had his uh, TNT title match, uh, which again, we're going to get there in a minute. Um, that he's only been in the business for four years because um, he's really good. And I think he's coming along as far as the character and promo stuff and that sort of thing. Uh, having him with 2.0 probably isn't terrible right now because they're, they're kind of the flip side for me. They're decent talkers. I won't say they're great talkers, but they're decent talkers. And they're okay in the ring to me. Like, I've never been huge on them through their Chikara days, their WWE days, their whatever. Like, they're they're fine, but they've never wowed me. They're never they're never somebody that I'm like, oh, 2.0's got a match. I got to watch that. Um, now, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia have a match. Oh, I want to watch that because I want to see Daniel Garcia. Um, so I think he's, I think he's got star potential. I don't think he's there yet, um, but I like that they're featuring him. I just want to see him get more wins, though, against people that aren't just on dark matches or dark elevation matches. I feel like every time he's in, and I know they've won some six-man matches, but usually it's because they roll somebody up and hold the tights or whatever. Like, I'd like to see him just beat somebody, actually, at some point here. Yeah, it was very interesting to have him be the first challenger for the person who won the interim TNT title on Wednesday. Again, I I don't have a good alternative suggestion beyond him in terms of someone who is credible, but I do think it's interesting to have 
him uh, challenge and not be successful. I thought there was a chance that he could have been successful, to be quite honest with you, the way that match played out. But we'll talk more about that in a moment. Before we get to talking about that, I think there was a way they could have avoided that. But Sure, sure. Um, before we talk about MJF, Punk, and, and the cast of characters surrounding that, Let's talk Battle of the Belts. I know you had a, and again, I'm trying to stick chronologically. So um, Battle of the Belts was Saturday. It, it ended up being a one-hour special event for AEW on TNT. I think I mentioned, if not here last week, uh, in other places, I think you and I, either through Messenger or what, what have you, that I thought it was kind of a, not a mistake per se, but to only have a one-hour special event on TNT, like I thought these were going to be like Clash of the Champions style things, so like two, two and a half hours. The thing is, it probably has to be two and a half hours because if it's two hours, then it just feels like another episode of Dynamite, perhaps. Um, so yeah, I'll talk more about Battle of the Belts. Uh, but I know you had you really wanted to bring up a point on it, I believe, as you were. I just don't get the point of it. Um, I loved when they announced them because I agree with you. I, you know, they've talked about them as being Clash of the Champions style events, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was honestly, it was a souped-up rampage episode. Um, it was a half of an okay dynamite episode. Like, and I don't know. Maybe if Cody and Sammy could have had their match, it would have felt a little bigger. But nothing felt. Like, I know they built up, they, they did an okay job building the whole Rio, Rio, uh, Britt Baker match, but at no time did I actually think they were actually going to flip that belt. Uh, Rio is not who you flip that belt to after the, the run that Britt has had. Uh, honestly, right now, if you asked me who beats Britt Baker for that title, I think we've had this conversation, but <laughs> excuse me, couldn't mute that one, didn't, didn't know it was coming. Uh, Thunder Rosa or Ruby Soho. Are, are the only two that I can see beating her right now. Uh, could they build somebody else? Absolutely they could, but I don't, yeah, I don't see it. Maybe Chris Statlander, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if they, if they put more build into Chris, but I just, and I guess my other issue is, and maybe I'm jumping between Battle of the Belts and this week, but, but it plays into it. Okay. Cody couldn't be there because of medical protocols. I understand that you gotta be safe. Got to do that. <clears throat> Did we need an interim belt if Cody's back in two weeks? Like, I don't understand the interim title thing. And that's where I say the way you could avoid Daniel Garcia being the first one to challenge, just don't do an interim title. Just say Sammy Guevara, you know, there. Cody is going to have to wait a couple of weeks because of medical protocols. We all know what that means. Like, when you say medical protocols, not injury. If there was an injury... I actually don't, especially if maybe it's only going to be like a month or two or two month injury. I don't actually hate the interim title idea, but for two weeks, and now we're going to build it to where probably at Revolution we have the interim TDNT champion and the TNT champion have their ladder match or something to unify the title. Um, I just don't, I don't see why we had to go that route when it was, I don't want to say simply medical protocols and i don't want to say covid related because we don't 100 percent know it was that but i think we can definitely make some in inferences um that there was probably an exposure um, we know that matt jackson had covid whether that played into it um because they're evps and maybe were around each other a lot um, I, I don't know but 
if the thought was he likely was only going to be out a couple of weeks, don't do the interim title. And maybe that irritated me too, that we're, and, and then to do an interim title and you put Dustin Rhodes in the match. Well, how many people thought Dustin Rhodes was going to beat Sammy Guevara for the interim TNT title? Come on. And I understand the story they tried to tell by putting Dustin in that spot and the connection to Cody as brother. When, but when you have a ranking system and you didn't pull anyone from the rankings, that was disappointing. And um, you pulled Dustin Rhodes, who when was the last time he won a match that wasn't on Dark or Dark Elevation? Right, right, yeah. So, so Sammy defeated Dustin Rhodes again. If you're if you're hearing that for the first time, I listened to this episode. Um, okay, you're either you're behind or you just don't follow AEW or pro wrestling in general, which is again your prerogative. But yeah, so that was kind of the way that the show opened. Again, very good match. Again. Right, nothing wrong with the match. Nothing wrong with the match, and 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 they probably did more than they needed to do. Uh, and I don't know if that's that that's that's what I'm starting to feel about Sammy Guevara matches. Is there's a little bit of uh, element of recklessness, uh, and I don't know if it's calculated recklessness or if it's just just free for all. Uh, so I'm 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 fearful for you mentioned a ladder match. I hadn't considered that as being a great way to unify these titles. I'm fearful if that's the route they go. Uh, Cody will light himself on fire. Sammy will probably do, you know, uh, six thirty off a ladder through three stack tables. Which again, that is kind of a misnomer because he would hit the first table on the mid mid first rotation. I digress. Uh, yeah. So, and, and they set up the whole Garcia match because Garcia confronted Guevara backstage while this event was going on. So beyond that, they had uh, Ricky Starks defend the. FTW title against Matt Seidel. Again, same thing. They tried to justify Matt Seidel as a worthy challenger because of his past success over Dante Martin, who's feuding with Team Taz. Okay, I mean, I I can follow the breadcrumbs, but again, that's a stale loaf of bread, if you ask me. Uh, And then then the main event was, of course, Britt Baker defeating Rio. I have to... uh, I'm ashamed to admit, uh, on a Saturday night in 2022... This show was on, and this main event was on in the nine or eight forty-five to nine o'clock Eastern time zone time frame. I dozed off during this match. That's not a dig against Britt or Rio. Um, it just—I just—I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just old. I have to admit that. Uh, but yeah, so I—I I, I did not see the entire match because I like dozed off and woke right up as the finish was happening. Um, yeah, so Battle of the Belts—if it's a thing that's going forward for me. Something's going to have to change. Uh, again, I would have liked to have seen all of the titles. Knowing what we know about what happened on Dynamite days earlier, it would have made it really difficult because of the number of championships that were decided or on the line then. You know, if you're going to have a show, though, called Battle of the Belts, you really do need to have every title focused on and, and, and featured. Or, or they chose to book those other title matches on the TBS show, on the Dynamite show. Like, just don't do that. Make the belts, you know. I, yeah. I And I know that the TNT title, you know, has been presented very importantly, and the um, and the women's title has been booked very importantly. Uh, the FTW title isn't actually a recognized title in AEW, although they still have FTW title matches, so it's kind of a little bit odd. Um, the way that they book that, but I don't know. It's just like, it should have felt bigger to me, especially for the first one. And, and again, 
this is going to be a totally unfair comp uh, comparison because nostalgia and rose-colored glasses and history and all of that. This was the first Battle of the Belts. The first Clash of the Champions <clears throat> had Sting versus Ric Flair for the world title, and it went to a 45 or 60-minute draw, and it really made Sting. Like, Sting was a pretty well-made man, but, like, I would argue that was the match that really strapped the rocket to Sting to who he became. Um, yeah, there definitely was nothing like that on this show. Um, well, and it was too much of a good thing for AEW last week in that regard of having your debut Dynamite on TBS, which you really wanted to load that up and get eyes on a new channel. Same show, but new channel and, and a new initiative launched. But then to follow that up three days later with Battle of the Belts, which again, your your statement's not not uh, false by any means. You do you do want to go back and think the first ever Battle of the Belts had X, but now you're going to go back and go, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it was what it was. Um, well, let's talk about this week's then show. Um, yeah, the big, the big, the big kickoff again was the whole MJF. Uh, had again set up Wardlow again teasing himself, but then he drops. Nope, it's going to be Wardlow versus Punk. So that's what kicked us off on Wednesday on Dynamite. Well, well, before that, we Go did ahead. have story time with Adam Cole, baby. Yes. <clears throat> yep. Um, where I thought it was interesting that we got really the first on-screen pairing now of Adam Cole and Britt Baker um, together. And I thought it was kind of fun that she jumped in before the Bucks were going to kiss Adam Cole on the cheeks. She jumped into that, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Further dissension. <laughs> right. I, I love the the dissension they've got going between the elite and, I don't know, the undisputed era. Let's just call them that for now. I, they, they have not given that trio a name other than he kind of calls it the super elite with everybody. Um, and again, we go into the elite, the super elite, the super duper, sometimes elite, the extra elite, and then got Brandon Cutler. But um, I'm loving what they're building there. And I, I liked the Britt Baker thing. I like the mixed tag they've set up. Um, I, I think Chris Stantlander is somebody they should push a little bit more. So I like that. Um, I, I also appreciated, and this is a little side sideways on, on Chris Stantlander, but I appreciated when they did the promo in the back because they also have the whole Chris Stantlander like, Chris Statlander, Layla Hirsch uh, thing going on. I appreciate that Chris Statlander's promo, she wasn't an alien and booping everybody. She was just Chris Statlander. Um, so I, I I liked that. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, there was that to begin. But, yeah, but then... But what, and, the, and that was a great segment, I thought. And again, there's, I think, Adam Cole... Orange Cassidy is also a match we're headed towards. I don't know when or how. Yeah. Again, I don't think that's destination revolution. I think it happens before that. I, um, I would think so, yeah. Beats I... break, maybe. That's coming up here soon. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to get too, like, like, you know, pandemic conversation heavy. I How did, how did if anyway, did, it, did the statement that Matt Jackson made make you feel? When he said, I kicked COVID's ass in two days or something to that effect. Uh, is, is that is that okay for a heel to say? Um, despite, I mean, considering the the 
the the national issue that this is like removing the lens of pro wrestling and and, and heel gimmick did did that did, did that strike you awkwardly at all it's it's hard for me to remove that lens um i i get where you're i get what you're asking um and and you're not wrong um i i guess i looked at it through the lens of heel like that's a very matt jackson young bucks ish thing to say um so it didn't didn't resonate too poorly with me although i can understand people because okay matt jackson kicked COVID's ass in two days um but there are lots of people who haven't so yeah i can understand um one of the things it, it's it's such a catch-22 because one of the things that i've always felt is that wrestling and and most entertainment should be an escape from the daily grind, whatever it is you're dealing with in life. And let's be honest, for the last two years, COVID has been something we've all been dealing with in one way or another, whether we've had to actually deal with COVID, uh, as many of us have, or whether we've dealt with other people who've had COVID or just the restrictions and the masks and the, and the everything. Um, so in some ways, I'd love for that to set aside for two hours and let me just watch some pro wrestling. And in the other way, in this day and age, everybody knew why he was out. He had, he had, publicly said that he was out due to a COVID um, positive. So it's kind of the elephant in the room if he doesn't say anything. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I get both both directions on that. I'm guessing maybe it resonated a little bit differently with you. I, I don't, I, it didn't bother me because I, I, and I don't want to say I'm shifting my opinion of COVID-19 and the pandemic. I do think though with this Omicron variant and what I've read and heard about it, it seems like it's, this is going to sound really wrong. It's going to get us all. We're going to all end up getting infected with COVID-19 at some point, And it's going to eventually not become the health crisis that it is. I just think there's a little bit of sensitivity that needs to be held regarding it being a crisis. And so that's where the statement he made just caused me to bristle just slightly. So... Yeah, I'm not going to not support the Young Bucks because of it. And I want to say that I believe in the past it's been stated or reported or confirmed that either both or one of the Young Bucks has had COVID previously. So again, but I've got a... I believe you're my, right. My, my daughter's boyfriend just got infected as she did for the first time. He's now had it twice. So he's had it twice in nine months. Again, it's, it's something that you... You can do everything in your power to be mindful, safe, protective, preventative, what have you. And unfortunately, you may still catch it. it, it I don't want to diminish it and say it's like the flu, but it's kind of like the flu. People do get the flu. And again, the flu at one point was a pandemic as well. And then now, after years and years and years, the world just lives with it. So don't, don't want to get too deep down that. You know, That's not what we're here for. I just thought, again, it was very... When he said it, the word struck me. So I just wanted to to ask your thoughts on that. And yeah, sorry, sorry for the down note on this week's episode. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it all pro wrestling centric and and on the uptick. Uh, I can't say it's going to be positive because we're going to talk about MJF um, and his machinations next. With uh, again bringing Wardlow in. So you started to say when we were when we were kind of recapping last week's rampage. Uh, you know, you pivoted a little bit to say it, it, this doesn't make sense to you, and I I see your point of view. I don't know that I agree. Because and here's why. Here's let me give let me give my rationalization. MJF is just so obsessed with CM Punk. 
He literally just wants him taken out in the worst possible way. Well, what easier way in his mind to do that than to bring Wardlow out first, right? Sure. He wants to just eliminate CM Punk. And, and, and I think that story was being told really well on Wednesday with the numerous power bombs. A problem that I had was MJF mandates that Wardlow take him out and power bomb through the table. Why did Aubrey Edwards not DQ Wardlow at that point? That was a really big gap in logic for me. I understand referee leniency, uh, but I don't know that AW has done a good enough job by saying, you know, refer it's referee's uh, uh, jurisdiction or, or referee's discretion. And I don't even remember if that was mentioned on Wednesday night. So that being what it was, um, and and two, our friend Rob, who and I, who got in a good conversation with me about the, the logic of that match. Why does Wardlow not want the win? That is a career-defining win for him. Yet he's following, he's the sh the sheep, for lack of a better term. Even though he's looking to stray from the flock of MJF, he's the sheep, and he continues to cower, and and not yet stand up to MJF. And therefore, because of that attitude. Punk hooked him with uh, with a small package. And I don't know if you saw this online at all. Someone tweeted it out, I think, in the last 24 hours. The end of that match was identical to the finish of Bret Hart Diesel from either King of the Ring or Survivor Series 95. It was okay. great. It was great. It was great. I think it was – yeah, either way. Kevin Nash had powerbombed the crap out of Bret Hart, much like Wardlow had done to Punk. And then Brett hooks him with a small package and, and, and wins the match. So it's almost like they had, a, they had a screen by screen kind of replay of what was happening. And it was like literally almost motion for motion identical. Similar, so, similar to how Punk did that with uh, Brett one, two, three kid with him and Darby. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah. that's why, that's why I think yeah. it was okay to go this route, despite some of the criticisms I have of it. Interesting that it's going to be Sean Spears next. And how is that going to, mean more like is punk going to come in damaged he should obviously because of what happened wednesday but then how is that going to allow spears to get the advantage and then what will mjf try to do to to get one up on punk if that's what's going to happen i think what we end up getting and i and i apologize i'm not giving you any chance to respond so right. please accept my apologies in advance i think we're going to get mjf punk announced for the upcoming february event in chicago because I think they're going to say, and which before I finish my thought, it, it, it's a fine line to walk. They're going to announce that match, I think, but then it's not going to happen. Something's going to happen where Punk gets taken out in his hometown, and that's what gets us to Revolution. Because I also feel like, again, it, Revolution is, I think, seven, eight or seven, seven, six or seven weeks away, like you mentioned. It's, it's going to be really hard to get us that far without them both being on TV every week. I think we get through Spears Punk on next Wednesday, which is the 19th. And then I think two weeks after that is when they're in Chicago. Uh, the, the match doesn't happen, but I think Punk gets put on the shelf and you don't see Punk perhaps for two or three weeks because of injury. And that's what gets us to their eventual in-ring clash. So that's where I'm thinking and seeing it's going. I have no clue if I'm going to be even close to right, but that's it seems like that's the trajectory they could be on. I and also I want to know why we're not getting Punk versus any of the FTR guys because those would be great matches. Uh, and maybe we will. 
maybe maybe that is part of what gets us there too. Although FTR's kind of got their own thing going right now with um well with the Briscoes. Um but well, also that's what, that's what should be the focus, but yeah. Right. They, Lee, Lee Johnson I, and Brock Anderson. Watch out. Yeah, I, I think Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson are the avenue. I, I think the Briscoes show up next Wednesday, oh, especially with the way the Twitter promos have escalated this week. Um and and FDR saying, you know, we'll pay for your flights. You you come on down. I mean, just great promos between both of them on Twitter. And uh yeah, I I don't think it's by mistake that those have ramped up this week. And then you have this match with FTR next week happening. I and I love that they they did they did say, they said it's an open challenge. So y'all come in our open challenge, right? I I think I it's mean, very I, possible that we pan to the back and Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson are laid out, and then all of a sudden, if they could get give me back my bullets to play, that would be phenomenal. Um, if there's someone who can, it's TK. It is, and and you know. Be interesting to see. I mean, I know they get, were able to use it in GCW. Um, I realize broadcasting on TNT is a lot different than Fight TV. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the one. Um, that's that's where we're headed. If they can hold that till Revolution, wow, that would be a heck of an addition to the pay-per-view card. Um, but I don't, I don't care. I'm going to watch it whenever it happens regardless. So. And I don't know if I mentioned before, but Revolution falls on my anniversary weekend. Now, granted, it's anniversary year 22, Again, every anniversary is important, and I love my wife I to death. Careful, careful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off uh, Revolution on on the on the on the actual night that it's scheduled. Yeah, I was going to say, let me just uh, go ahead and end that end the heartache for you, as our friend Chris would say, "You ain't watching the Revolution live, buddy. That ain't happening." Uh, <laughs> uh, and so we'll keep that in mind as we move forward when we make our when we make our picks in uh, in early March, uh, and then then when we come back to talk about it the next week, hopefully you'll have had a chance, um, and I'm sure you will have. But by the time we talk the next week, to have seen it. Well, but, considering uh, how I disliked the BR live feed last time, and how it was available on Fight TV on demand after the fact, if I have to go that route, I might just wait. Right, absolutely, because fight fight has been. Great. I uh, I have already ordered Terminus for this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, uh, and yeah. I, I want to hear from you on MJF and Punk and Wardlow and yeah. all that. Yeah, all that. So yeah, I so yeah, I I like the way you laid that out. Actually, that makes more sense. And maybe had they uh, told the story a little more of that of why he chose Wardlow first. Um, and maybe well, you know, maybe if it was well, fine, Wardlow, you couldn't get the job done. Then Spears, you're up next. You do it. You know even a line like that might've helped me not have that feeling maybe. Um, so I like the way you explained that. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for bringing AEW creative uh, a little more full circle for me. Well, funny story, not that I'm advocating for it, but I would be open to it. Uh, I've heard that AEW doesn't have writers. They do have creative, but they don't have writers. Now, yep. and, and, and I know that's a fine line and writers in the WWE world have been far too involved. Right. But I do think that you need someone who's, captaining the ship of the storylines with things like that because those are details that i think fans pay attention to at least we do right and i, I don't right. think that we're alone in this in no. this idea of logic and investment and so on and so forth and aew has built up a really strong fan base who cares but i think they care more than just about great pro wrestling i agree and and i think 
both companies, eh, most companies could use, I would call it a continuity manager, like somebody who can, can help with those pieces and who can help go, well, hang on now, this doesn't make sense because two weeks ago, you know, we did this. So we need to be, or, or if we're going to do this other thing that doesn't make sense, we need to be able to have a piece to bridge that. And, oh, this is why it makes sense because, you know, I don't know, insert thing here. Um, for instance, I, I had listened and there were some people who, um, not that I want to go to WWE real quick because I want to get back to this Wardlow and MJF, you know, the Alexa Bliss uh, segment that happened this week. They just wanted Alexa Bliss to just come back as the goddess Alexa Bliss or, you know, one of her other, not, and not have anything mentioned about the whole fiend-like character. You can't do that to me. Like, you have to at least bridge a gap. So they, they're at least bridging that gap there. Um, so kudos, WWE. I don't say that often. There you go. Um, I realize you could have just never done that character, but you did. So now you got to bridge the gap. Um, so I, I like how they're, they're stretching this out. I absolutely loved, maybe I said this last week, um, cause I think I had seen it anyways. I loved punk hitting Sean Dean, uh, with the go to sleep or punching him or whatever he did. I can't, I think he hit go to sleep, um, on him to give the DQ win to Sean Dean over MJF. Um, and then saying, this is what happens every week until you give me what I want, you know, kind of thing. Loved it. And I love that Sean Dean now has a shirt that says, I beat you and you know it. Um, like, I don't buy a lot of wrestling shirts and I probably won't buy that one. But I'm like, okay, Sean Dean probably wasn't selling a whole lot of t-shirts if he even had any available uh, before. I know he is the guy who books AEW Dark, so I know he's got other roles in AEW. Um, and they think a lot of him uh, behind the scenes. So that's great. But he, you know, Sean Dean hasn't been a featured wrestler really ever, basically. And so for him to get that win and then get a T-shirt that even if they only sell a couple of hundred of them, like, hey, that's a little bit of money in his pocket for, you know, his moment that might be his moment for his career. I, we'll, we'll see. But um, I, I thought that was great for the Punk MJF storyline. And then they capitalized on it with a T-shirt. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Um, so I've really liked how they played it out. I, I love that in Wardlow losing, I would have been I would have agreed with you. A Wardlow could have should have been DQ'd for putting him through the table, and that would have been an out um, to give Wardlow the loss, give Punk the win, and not have Wardlow actually get beat. Although the way they did it, I don't think hurt Wardlow at all. Um, in fact, I think it put a little more heat on if Wardlow would have just pinned him after any one of the seven or eight power bombs. You know, it would have been over. But instead, MJF kept pushing and pushing and pushing, him, which gave Punk enough time to come up with a way to hit that small package. I also love the punk crisscrossed his legs across Wardlow's other leg. Um, it was a small thing, but if you're a punk is smaller than Wardlow in, I don't know, height wise, but at least in, in bulk. Um, so for a smaller guy to hold the big guy in that small package and not have Wardlow be able to just power right out of it. Um, I thought that was great. And I, I, after you say that now about Brett and Diesel, I'm 99% sure that Brett did that to Diesel as well, which again, makes total sense. Smaller guy. Um, so I'm enjoying it. And I got to be honest, when MJF and Punk actually have that match, probably at Revolution, I think the roof's going to blow off the place. I mean, this has been one of those matches that they've been, that everybody thought of right away when Punk came in, like, when that I, I said it, you know, when that happens and those promos happen, and the promos have been really, really good. Um, and now the storyline they're telling, making us wait for it, I like that. Because sometimes 
sometimes AEW is guilty of it. WWE is guilty of it. They just hotshot things a little too fast. Um, and they don't let it simmer and build, you know, and, and that sort of thing. I honestly, I think eventually Daniel Bryan, who I did it again, Brian Danielson, um, Adam page three, when that happens and it will down the road somewhere, I guess could be huge because now they've told a story and they've got more story to tell. Now they can go off in other directions now for a little while and then come back together. Um, that's great storytelling. Um, and welcome back Lance Archer. I'm glad he's back. Um, I missed Lance Archer. I, I enjoy that guy. And I know he had a really bad concussion, so I'm glad he's healthy more than anything. Um, but interesting comeback for him on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I'm loving the MJF thing. I, I do think there were some holes. And I agree with you, and I, I think you said it here. I apologize. Um, I know you said it on the on the Facebook group that we're a part of. I do think they need to flesh out what, besides money, what does MJF have over Wardlow? Like, there has to be something more. Because why does he take the crap he takes? Because there'd, there'd be money. Like, Wardlow has now built himself enough of a name, like, it can't be that, oh, if MJF fired you, you wouldn't have a job in AEW. That makes no sense. Why wouldn't Tony Khan sign Wardlow to AEW? You know, if if Wardlow's contract is with MJF and not AEW in storyline, well, why wouldn't Tony Khan just sign him then right away? Like, so is there a clause in the contract that says if he gets fired, if MJF fires him, he can't work for AEW ever again? You know, or something. I mean, like, again, there's a little line you could throw in that goes, Oh, oh, he really does have it over him. And it would make MJF that much more of a scumbag. Right. Absolutely. Which, which is which is perfect. That fits his character. And and as much as I think the roof's gonna blow off the place when Punk and MJF finally meet, I hope that's not where Wardlow turns. Because I don't think you have to do that in that match. But when Wardlow eventually snaps and turns on MJF, Wardlow could very quickly become the top baby face in that company. Like, I think he's getting that over that when he snaps, if they book him right, the sky could be the limit for that guy. Um, just book him right. He doesn't have to have 45 minute catches, catch Ken, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson matches. That's not who Wardlow is. Um, he's your Goldberg. He's your, you know, that style character, the guy who just bulldozes people. Um, he's your, in a very different way, he's your stone cold a little bit, uh, <clears throat> you know, just a butt kicking, you know, uh, but has, I think he's progressed over the two years that we've seen him now to whatever, a little more than two years. Um, I thought he's really good in that opening cage, first cage match that he had when he debuted against uh, Cody, but I think he's, he's really become something. And I think they've got they got lightning in a bottle, and I know there's a lot of stories out there that WWE has been sniffing around trying to find him. I've also heard, yeah, he signed for quite a while in AEW, so he's not going anywhere. Um, I've also seen an interview where he says he wants to be an AEW lifer, so doesn't sound like he's really trying to go anywhere else right now either. Uh, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, it's probably the... Probably the story I'm most into in AEW right now. Uh, I was just trying to think kind of of the other stories. Now, the minute the Briscoes show up, that's going to become one and one A. Um, because I'm anticipating that greatly. And, and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to, um, I loved in, I don't know, I, I assume you saw FTR's promo yesterday, I think it was, where they said, you know, 
we'll, we'll fly you first class and we'll make sure you take a shower, you know, the whole thing. Um, where they said, you come fight us, and then you can fight our bosses. They're just going to put themselves over, but don't worry about it. And I was like, ooh, a nice little dig at the Young Bucks there. Um, but I'm looking forward to – we haven't seen Briscoe's Young Bucks in a long time. We've seen it. Um, Briscoe's Red Dragon, Briscoe's Jurassic Express, Briscoe's – like, huh, there's a bunch of matches I want to see from the Briscoes in AEW, some of which I've already seen, but to see them on a bigger stage and now three, four, five, six years later, um, it's going to be – Man, so I'm really looking forward to that. But outside of that right now, MJF and Punk has got um, my full attention, which is interesting in that none of what I just said revolves around any of the titles. Yeah, no, absolutely. So just to give a whole view, to pull the lens back from that, uh, and then the Briscoe's FTR issue, which if you haven't been following that, if you're listening, check out Jay Briscoe's Twitter, check out Dax Harwood's Twitter, watch their promos not safe for work not safe for young years but again entertaining and fits the vibe of 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 a a rivalry of a a heated issue between two teams and when we talk about best promos in the game dax harwood doesn't get mentioned enough he should he's phenomenal as a yeah yes very very believable very very authentic um the rest of dynamite on wednesday had Dante Martin over Powerhouse Hobbs. Serena Deeb continued her feud with Hikaru Shida, attacking her before the match, and then um, and then really laying it into her during the match. That's that's been a really interesting un, under the radar story. Um, Penta L Zero Miedo defeated Matt Hardy, which then led to Malachi Black coming out, which then led to the debuting Brody King, uh, which is exciting because Brody King uh, I think has a great opportunity here in AEW um, within. The House of Black, uh, and also on a on a grander stage, uh, the acclaimed uh, defeated Bear Country, and then the main event on Wednesday was uh, the interim TNT title match. Sammy Guevara defending his interim title for the first time, defeating Daniel Garcia, which we kind of alluded to without kind of spelling it out. Um, I thought the first hour of this show was really strong. Uh, again, Lance Archer also returned. There was a couple other promos as well. Um, the second half of the show wasn't the greatest, uh, but it wasn't bad either. Again, I think people begin to think of AEW as you have to hit this home run every single Wednesday. And then when they hit a double one week, people are like, oh, well, that's not so great. So. No, I agree. And uh, I, I I totally agree, actually, with that line of thinking in that AEW is a victim of their own success in some ways. Um critically wise. Um, now you can talk about ratings and all of those kinds of things. I did see like battle of the belts ratings wise did 700,000 viewers rampage does 500,000. Um, but the movies that they usually run on Saturday nights tend to do about 800,000 viewers. So was it a success for TNT or not? Uh, I don't know. Um, but critically, I, I think AEW is a victim of their own success in that exact thing that you said, they have these blow away shows, um, which I'd say last week was was pretty dang good. Um, I mean, anytime you have that that Hangman Page Brian Danielson match that they had, it's going to be hard not to call it a good show all the way around when the first quarter of your show is that good. Um, and then you know you had a really good tag title match to close the show as well. Uh, so basically, half of your show roughly was eaten up with those two title matches, um, which were excellent to very good. Um, so yeah, it's hard to not call last week a great show. And so there's always going to be 
come down shows, you know, in between. But when you start here and you only come down to here, it's still really good. And look, if WWE could give me shows that were at the level of this week's Dynamite every week, we'd probably be singing praises because it's the other way there. You know, when your shows are down here off the screen and then they come up to here, they seem like they're the greatest show ever. Uh, AEW's got the other problem in that um, they're going to have those shows. I thought this show was just fine, though. I thought it was good. It was uh, nothing. Nothing was like, oh, Jesus, what was that? Um well, and, and with Beach Break around the corner, I think Beach Break's two weeks away, you kind of have to, like, lower the bar. At the uh, the always-known beach home of Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Mistake by the lake, right? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, so you have to kind of bring expectations down, whether intentionally or not, so that way you can raise them back up for that event. Because I'd right. imagine some, some things big are going to happen there. I don't know. Is that where we get the acclaimed versus Sting and Darby Allen? Which I don't understand. I I almost didn't want to bring that up, but I do want to bring that up because the acclaimed are the number one ranked team, so they should be fighting Jurassic Express. But I feel like they're going to lose that before they get that chance because they're going to fight Sting and Darby Allen. I agree. Yep. No, 100%. And uh, I, I did like Christian's comment to John Silver and Alex Reynolds, though, about like yeah, we were looking for a top five tag team. When you see one, let us know, um, even though they are, which Cage should have known that. But, uh, yeah, the acclaimed Darby Sting thing is a bit strange. Um, their booking of Darby and Sting in general is a bit strange. I feel like it's, oh, we're fighting these guys. Okay, now we're fighting these guys. Okay, now we're fighting these guys. Like, it's very free-flowing, kind of like this episode. Um, yeah. Um, and yet Darby and Sting are undefeated as a tag team and never get ranked or seem to never get ranked and never get a title shot. So, and I think they don't give them a title shot though, because you don't want to beat them yet. So, and if you give them a title shot, what are you gonna do? Put the belts on them? Maybe I wouldn't do that. Certainly. And especially when you just flipped them to Jurassic Express, I would, I would let Jurassic have a good run here with them. So yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm enjoying AEW. I like what they're doing. Um, Anything else on AEW we want to hit, Tom? Uh, let me think. Um, I mean, I know next week's setting up as a decent show. We have the mixed tag with Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, which we indirectly kind of walked around and talked around. They definitely teased the Red Dragon versus Young Bucks, which I'll never forget. Yeah, they had a fantastic match at Ring of Honor, I think, in 2016 or 2017. And like I think it was like May, so maybe Super Card of Honor ish or something along those lines. It was phenomenal. So I would love to see them uh, duel again. Um, yeah, I, the idea that Revolution will probably be a ten match card and you won't be able to catch your breath seems very realistic to me at this point in the game. Oh, agreed. And uh, uh, yeah, and and there's still going to be we're going to have the exact same conversation that we have about every AW pay per view, where we're going to have ten matches and we're going to be like. Look at this card. It's crazy good. And there's still no match for Malachi Black or for, you know, Andrade or whoever. I'm just naming names. They, you know, Malachi, I would think, probably will have a match um, with me and Brody. Um, Andrade, maybe, maybe not. Andrade now looks like he might try to hire Matt Hardy, which, uh, okay, that was the one thing that made me go, what are we doing? Um, well, and I really thought we were getting Andrade versus Darby or something towards that from a few weeks back. And then that's kind of like been not spoken of. 
Right. Yeah, it was that was a little weird. And give me Andrade versus Darby. And is an Andrade hurt? Because that's the only reason he should not be working matches, by the way. I his his contract must be for six matches a year less than Sting has or something. I don't know. Like I, I don't understand the lack of use of Andrade in the ring unless he's dealing with some sort of an injury. Uh but I'm not sure. Uh you pick Tom NXT Terminus. Um, we can hit NXT. I think that's going to be pretty brief in terms of our, our chatter there. Uh, we talked last week, I do recall, because that was New Year's Evil. We did talk about that, correct? Yep. I believe. Again, I can't remember what we talked about a week ago. Go figure. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, this, this week, uh, NXT, it was, it was fine. Um, I still don't buy Tony D'Angelo. He had the 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 pole, the crowbar, and a pole match with Pete Dunne. Man, poor Pete Dunne. That's all I can say there. Um, Wendy Chu seems to be really entertaining. Uh, I'm, 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 I agree. I'm, I wasn't sure what I was going to think. It seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody in NXT watches AEW, and somebody saw Orange Cassidy and was like, we could do something like that. And that's Wendy Chu, apparently. And that's Wendy Chu. Uh, yeah, no, and, and and I know you haven't seen NXT this week, but the the interesting thing well, was I've seen everything except for the, the yeah, finish. yeah. The, um, so we had talked a long time ago when they were competing. This was before the whole 2.0 reboot, if you will. That they that what a great way to infuse talents on Raw into NXT because you're both on the same channel. It really wasn't happening. Actually, I don't think it ever happened. If it, and if it did, it was very rare. Very now rare. you have this AJ Styles issue with Grayson Waller that had been building for weeks and weeks and weeks. And again, there was doing they were doing cross promotion on Raw and yeah. NXT 2.0. Makes a lot of sense. You're you're helping to feed your cause, uh, and there probably should be more of that in, in select doses. Um, I mean, who but who knows, right? Like sometimes I don't know what NXT. 2.0 is doing, for example, Dusty Rhodes Classic for the men begins next Wednesday. We know, I think, at this point in time, unless something's broken in the last, you know, 45 minutes, one team that's in the tournament. Well, I have that same thought, but the MSK vignette that they had in the back, MSK was talking about winning the Dusty Cup again. So I think they indirectly said they did. And then they, the Creed brothers have announced that they're in it as well. Okay. Um and then MSK rattled off like Briggs and Jensen, the Creed brothers, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, and then you add in um, Blade and Ofe, uh, who I noticed had similar looking outfits. So I think that might be a team they try to to keep together. Um, and so I have to cool. think, I have to think we're going to get Gacy and Harland back in somehow. Even I, though, even though they think, didn't qualify, they didn't play in on Wednesday. But who knows? You know, and, and Jack at time, you would think probably gets in. Um, I yeah, I I thought they were like at the end of this, towards the end before the main event, they said, you know, you hear Dusty's music start, and they showed the cup, and it, that it begins next week, and I was waiting for them the bracket to pop up. Same. Like, yeah, and I, you know, I know the women's isn't starting until February, so I'm fine with that. Um, although I think we can name a few teams that that likely will be in um, in that obviously already as well. 
think it'd be interesting to see if Wendy Chu can get a partner and get herself into it. Um, Cause obviously Persia and, and Indy will likely be a team in that I would think. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see who fills out that bracket. Uh, I'm also a little, and in the women's, there's usually a couple of teams that you're like, well, they're out in the first round, you know, um, I'm, I am also, and I, God help me. I'm about to say these words. I'm interested to learn who paid the fine and got Von Wagner's suspension list lifted. Oh, it was Robert Strauss or whatever his name is. Oh, well, I, I no, no I, I'm sorry. That's not true or that's not proven, but that's my, that's my hunch. Cause wasn't he kind of scouting him? He was kind of scouting Von Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, uh, Robert Stone. Stone. Strauss, so. but same. I, I knew same. it wasn't right when you said Strauss, but I couldn't come up with the right name either. So <laughs> Robert Stone. Uh, yeah. See, and that would be, I was really hoping it could be more interesting than that, but it's probably not. You're probably Sorry. right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way to ruin my hope, Tom. Wah, uh, wah, wah. Right. All right. I'm not as interested anymore in that story. <laughs> um, although I do think putting Robert Stone with Von Wagner would be a good idea because Von Wagner's promos are just terrible. So put somebody with him who can talk. Let him be the big guy who beats up people. I, just, I still don't know that they've got anything there. But if you've got any chance, you need to have somebody else doing his talking for him because his promos are bad. And I finally come to grips with his forehead. So when he comes on my screen anymore, I don't want to run At away. least he's a heel. So if you want to punch him in the face, it's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's good. Um, I feel like there was something else with NXT. Uh, I, I like the Sola Sokoa uh, build and, and with Boa involved. You know, they had a nice brawl, I thought. Um, There was, let, me, let me look at the results here. I got them up. Uh, and NXT 2.0 just seems oh. really weird for me. When you think of like the Pete Dunns and the Santos Escobars and the Cameron Grimes of the world, and then you on the flip side have the meatheads. And <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not going to name anyone, but they're just there's a bunch of meatheads. There is. I, I do like the shift in Grimes' character, though. I really have – I liked that the last week or two uh, where he's about the gold. He's wearing kind of nicer clothes. He's living into the money. Um and he's not quite as goofy in his promos. He's still got, I mean, Trevor Lee, the man who plays Cameron Grimes, that's his voice. Like, he's he's a Southern boy. Um, so there ain't a whole lot he could do about that. So I, I've liked this, like, twist, though. And, and sign me up, Cameron Grimes and Carmelo Hayes. I mean, I don't think Grimes is winning that title, but that'll be a really good match. Um, I You know. Hopefully they get a couple of them out of them, actually, because that'll be, I think those could be really good. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see who, you know, who is the next uh, challenger in line, really, for Braun Breaker uh, as we move towards whenever the next special is, whether that's a Tuesday night, you know, like a New Year's Evil has been, or whether that's a, a you know, a premium live event uh, for NXT. And I am curious to see what they do with, with WrestleMania week when they get there. They still have not announced the Hall of Fame, which is really weird. Um, and with SmackDown being on Friday, that, you know, you do the Hall of Fame on Thursday, you could. And then you have SmackDown on Friday, you have WrestleMania Saturday, Sunday. Do you do you bring NXT back to Wednesday or do you do, is there a special on Tuesday and then you have nothing on Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know. The WrestleMania week is going to be an interesting calendar 
Yeah, Maybe. my my yeah. hunch is going to be that we get NXT Vengeance Day 22 on Tuesday the 15th of February. Again, removing the takeover from the title. That'll be that'll be what 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 really different defines for us as fans and as followers if the takeover name is definitely in the mothballs for now. Because clearly with um War games. War games and then New Year's Evil, which wasn't called Takeover New Year's Evil last year. Um, last year, Vengeance Day was called Takeover Vengeance Day, and it did air. Um, it did air on on the fourteenth, which I forget. That was a Sunday, so that was, it was Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So, um, over, yeah. But but I could see them, uh, and, and maybe this year it falls on the thirteenth. Maybe maybe instead of it being on Tuesday, which is kind of. You know, they, they keep like Great American Bash and New Year's Evil on 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 USA, and then they do again premium live events. They they won't do one on the thirteenth because that's Super Bowl Sunday. So that is correct. You're right. You know what? There we go. Halftime Vengeance Day. Halftime Vengeance. Hey, a halftime heat. You know that was fun back in the day um, when they actually did. You know, like the the Rock Mankind one was fun when they did just stupid stuff. It wasn't. Um. So yeah, Grimes, that was the other thing I just wanted to say was I, I've liked that shift in his character. Um I I think that I think that has more chance to make it on the main roster if he ever moves up. And I hope that the one good thing we get out of NXT 2.0 is that when they move people up from NXT to the main roster, they actually give them a chance. And now that Bruce Pritchard is apparently overseeing but all the creative, including NXT, overseeing. There's still an NXT creative team, much like there's a Raw and SmackDown. I'm hoping that because NXT operated in its own universe and obviously they've dismantled the crap out of that thing. Um, and have now, you know, brought it under the, the big umbrella. I hope that the one good thing we can get from that is when people move up, they're actually treated better than they have been over the last few years uh, because we can go on a whole rant about NXT talent that yet again gets brought up and, and nothing done with them. Um, Tony storm. Hello. Um, so hopefully this, otherwise, what was the point of the change? Um, I mean, if if you're not making it, you know, it seems like you've made it your developmental again, truly your developmental again, then make it that and develop guys and bring them up and, and treat them as something. Um, so I hope that's a change that we see. Um, and I don't know whether, you know, Grimes has avoided the cuts, so it seems like they must like him a little bit. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh Terminus. I just wanted to kind of touch on that. That's happening this Sunday. It's Jonathan Gresham and Baron Black's uh, new promotion, we think. Um, you know, there's there was question around, is it a one-off? Is it a promotion? Um, I, You know, I think they're, if it's successful, which they've sold out whatever the arena is in Atlanta, uh, that they're doing it in, not arena. It's probably not, I wouldn't it's, bet it's it, It's at a Salvation Army Croc Center. So, which, which, if so, I live five blocks from a Croc Center here, okay. and I can't imagine a pro wrestling event happening there. They have a really great gymnasium, so I would imagine that might be what it looks like. I guess we'll find out Sunday. I, I haven't ordered this yet. I really want to. I really want to order this, and then I want to order GCW versus the World the following Sunday from the Hammerstein. Yeah. Um, I have the money for it. I'm really fighting with a kind of give it my full attention and. And and also, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Competing with the NFL playoffs, which I have no dog in the in the horse in the dog in the horse dog horse in the race. I, 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 the horse I no, what happened? Uh. I have no horse in the race, but I do love the NFL. So 
Um, I also like, I also love, I think, I think I love pro wrestling. I almost said like pro wrestling, which would have been, you know, if I love the NFL and like pro wrestling, then that kind of seals the deal. Tells, right. Tells you everything you need to know. No, I hear you on that. Um, I, I have ordered Terminus. Uh, I intend to order GCW the world. Um, and, and then there's Royal Rumble the following week. Um, so the next three weekends, uh, there are shows that I am interested in. Uh, so Terminus, so, okay, first of all, let me just tell you about my dream. I, I teased before we hit record that I had had a dream last night about Terminus. Um, I had a dream that at the beginning of the show, uh, they announced somehow, and I don't remember from my dream, you know, some details are fuzzy, some are more clear, that they were changing kind of the focus of Terminus. And it wasn't going to be modern day grappling, but it was going to be, they wanted a little bit of everything. They wanted classic pro wrestling. They wanted striking. They wanted attitude era. They wanted all of this. So to usher that in, the main event was being changed and was no longer Jonathan Gresham versus Josh Alexander. I assume that's the main event. They've never really said that's the main event, but I assume it is. Um, it was now going to be a mixed tag match. And I assume it's because I watched Dynamite last night. They set up the mixed tag that I had mixed tag in my head. I don't know how this mixed tag came to be, though. So here's the tag teams that were going to be in the mixed tag main event in my dream about Terminus last night. Uh, it was going to be Jonathan Gresham and Scarlett Bordeaux um, versus Jordan Grace and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, okay. So I did not know Hogan was going to come there. And that really threw me for a loop. So... Now, I can draw some ideas of how that all came together in my head. I did happen to see on Twitter yesterday that Scarlett Murdo got a uh, a cover on a fitness magazine or something. So, okay, I get that I had seen something with her recently. I, I Hulk Hogan, I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, I did see he had a stupid comment recently about um, COVID shots and Betty White and Bob Saget and their deaths. Um, so perhaps that was still lingering in my head somewhere. Um I guess Scarlett would have covered the Attitude Era, even though she wasn't an Attitude Era star, but like her character very much would fit in the Attitude Era. Um, obviously classic Hogan, yes, and then modern day Jordan and, and uh, Gresham. But uh, yeah, there there was what I dreamed the main event was switched to for Terminus. Uh, I will go ahead and lay any amount of money that somebody would like me to on the fact that that will not happen on Sunday. And I want to be really clear. You said that was a dream, brother. You're lying. That's a nightmare. <laughs> right. That's right. Hulk Hogan versus Jonathan Gresham. There's a match nobody ever wants to see. Um, that's not going to work for me, brother. Um, <laughs> I, it, nothing against Gresham because I think he's one of the best in the world, but Jonathan Gresham will come up to Hulk Hogan's like thigh. I mean, Hogan's a big dude to be, I mean, Forget pro wrestling, forget, you know, some of the dumb things he's done and some of the ways he's been awful as a human being at times. He's a big dude. And Jonathan Gresham, not a big dude. Yeah, uh, Gresham was on the Jericho podcast in the last week. And great episode, if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, talks a lot about Terminus. Um, and and he, 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 he acknowledges is the wrong term. He, he confirms that he's the same height as Rey Mysterio because he's, he's met Rey Mysterio in the past. So and so Jericho is able to then make a connection and going, oh wow, okay, so you're not you're not a big guy, but again, you don't need to be a big guy in the current era of pro wrestling. This isn't this isn't 1986 WWF. I think it's interesting, and just the way you said that, I can totally hear Jericho saying, okay, so you're not a big guy. I think it's been interesting. I don't listen to Jericho's podcast very often, 
most of the time you do it when somebody, yourself included, says, hey, there was a really good episode of the Jericho podcast with so-and-so, and it's somebody who interests me. I went back and I listened to the Carrie Silken interview because of your recommendation, and, and I didn't even know it was that that's who he had on. I probably should follow him on Twitter or his, his uh, podcast to find out at least who he's got on, see if they interest me each week. It amazes me the couple of times when it hasn't been somebody that he's worked with directly, a WWE guy, how much he doesn't know about that person or what they do. Like even in the Carrie Silken interview, there are a couple of things that I'm like, if you did a modicum of research, Jericho, you would have known what Carrie just shared with you. They weren't like major behind the scene things that maybe you wouldn't have known because you weren't following Ring of Honor super closely. I understand that. But I mean, if he didn't know Jonathan Gresham wasn't a big guy, like Jericho, come on. And the irony is, you know, Gresham had, had been booked for the upcoming Jericho cruise. So right. whether Jericho was directly involved in that or not, or Jericho has management team that does that, he acknowledges, hey, you've been booked and I can't wait to meet you. But the fact that like he's not maybe, again, like to your point, looked at a photo of him or watched the match. <laughs> watched that, match. <laughs> it's very interesting. Very interesting. So yeah. so you you you've put the money on the table. You've paid the 14, 15 bucks for Terminus yep. on Sunday. I'm hopeful to do so as well. What right now uh, is the match you're most looking forward to? And what's the match that maybe you have the highest hopes for if it's not the same match? Uh, I am just pulling up the Terminus full card here um, so that I don't forget anything. I can tell you right now that the first thing that I'm really looking forward to um, is Gresham Alexander. I And I know that's probably low-hanging fruit, but... Gresham's one of the best in the world. I think Josh Alexander, I haven't seen as much of him as I'd like to because I don't have access on YouTube TV. Uh, I really hope they will get that at some point because I frankly like to watch Impact a little more than I, I do. Um, but I have to work a little harder to get it because it's not on my TV package. So, um, or and not available. It's not like, well, I could just add another $5 tier and I'd get it. It's, it's not on YouTube TV. Um, but what I've seen of Alexander, I've really liked especially lately. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the fact that I get to see Alexander and that I get to see him against Gresham. I think that is going to be just really, really good. Um, outside of that, uh, I, I, this is going to sound weird. So in a modern grappling setting, I'm interested to see Moose versus Mike Bennett. Um, and I'm more interested to see that than I was Moose versus Alex Coughlin. So I'm actually... Not that I'm happy Alex Hoffman's off the card because of either injury or medical. I can't remember which. Um, I think injury. But uh, Bennett is somebody who I never get real excited about a Mike Bennett match, but then I watch them and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's actually pretty good. I think back to the Bennett-Gresham match. Um, you know, then we both talked about that Bennett uh, over-delivered, as far as I'm concerned, in that match big time. Uh so I'm, I'm interested to see in a modern day grappling uh, and with the rules that they've announced, which we can talk about maybe in a minute, um, which are very ROH pure based, but there are some other tweaks to that. Um, I'm interested to see that match. It could be really good. I hope it is. That's the one that I think could be a train wreck too, if it goes off the rails the wrong way. Uh, there are other things. I, I don't know some of these folks as well. Um, Adam Priest, Cash, and JDX, who are all in the four-way with Daniel Garcia. Uh, I don't, I'm not as familiar. I, I've seen the names, but I'm not as familiar. I know Priest has worked, I think, some NJPW strong. 
I think. Um, but so I'm interested to see anytime I get to see new wrestlers that I'm not as familiar with, I, that excites me as well to see, is there somebody that I become a fan of that night? Um, Alex Zane was that way. I had heard his name, had never seen him. First couple of times I saw him, I was like, heck yeah. Um, I wish Zane was on this card to be honest, but um, how about you? What are you looking forward to? If you get a chance to watch this? Yeah, without a doubt, it's Gresham and Alexander. Uh, I think that's going to be huge. I, I I share a very almost identical opinion uh, and viewpoint of Josh Alexander as you do. I can't say I've seen a single Josh Alexander match other than just nonstop having nothing but rave reviews about his his quality of pro wrestling, which is kind of a shame that there's just so many options out there and you're missing something really, really good. But, I, you know, you can make the same comparison for food, right? Like there's tons of great restaurants. You can only eat at so many of them. Uh, so, so yeah, that here is going to be interesting. I do like the idea that they're having the original ROH world title match, he versus Gresham, Gresham defending, and the Ring of Honor world championship match, and that being Bandito defending against Baron Black. Now, Baron Black's been a AEW dark uh, staple, uh, but he's involved here and is a friend of Gresham. Clearly, to put yourself in the role against Bandito, you have you have, you have a high bar to meet. And Bandito right. is one of the best, one of the best in the world, I think. Um, so, so Black, Black will either break out or or something else will happen. The only other match that really was sticking out to me again, I like the card top to bottom. Uh, the idea of Jay Lethal versus Lee Mer- Lee Moriarty uh, piques my interest quite a bit. I don't think I've seen Lee Moriarty uh, in in kind of the the buzzworthy spot, but this is a great opportunity for him to to do that. Um, again, I think he had outside opportunities in PWG in late 21 that I just haven't made my way to either order the DVD yet or or, or subscribe to High Spots streaming and perhaps watch it there. Uh, so that would be because because I don't think he's had the opportunity in AEW, nor do I think he had the chance in that Ring of Honor six man to really demonstrate his his ceiling. And, but this against Lethal, I think he does. So those are those are the places I land. Yep. No, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I hopefully you get a chance to see it. I think it'd be be fun to talk about this next week when we get back together too. Uh, I, and we, and we didn't even mention it all. You, know, you got Terminus this weekend. You got uh, GCW the following weekend, and you have the Rumble the following weekend. You also that same weekend as the Rumble have Bola happening uh, for PWG, which obviously we can't watch live because they don't stream. Um, which is probably well, it's good for WWE for me because otherwise I might watch Bola instead of the Rumble, but. Um, of course, timing-wise, well, you might be able to watch one and then follow. You it. could have done both, most likely. Yeah, right. That's true. With it being in California, but um, I'm a Rumble mark. I love the Rumble, so I definitely will be watching the Rumble. Although I'm actually going to see the Rumble on Sunday because uh, I have a booking Saturday night that will will keep me away from seeing it. And since Peacock doesn't allow you to go back to the beginning, I'm not going to turn it on when I get home. Uh, that was going to be here by SummerSlam, by the way. I think I've mentioned that before. Um, apparently, that SummerSlam of 22 or 3 or 7, I don't know. <laughs> they uh, do have everything else on the on Peacock. I mean, you have to search for a lot of it. It's not their, – their, their setup is not user-friendly to find what you want to find. But um, but it's most of it's there. But anyways, that's a whole other conversation we could have. Well, Tom, should we jump to Super Bowl picks and talk about those? I don't think there's anything WWE that we need to really – harp on this week we can yeah them nope i agree with you yeah so a few weeks back we had um run down uh what we had projected as being the the picks that we had for um the nfl for this season 
And that season came to an end for the regular season last week, Sunday. And the playoffs are set for uh, this playoff round, the 21 season. Uh, I think as we approach, I think it's Super Bowl 54. I think that's the, the Super Bowl we're headed, we're headed towards. He's right. Um, I will verify that quickly here. Uh, but yeah, so the wild card matches start Saturday. They go Sunday. And um, yeah, stupid ESPN is not telling me what number Super Bowl this is. Oh, well. Um, pre- wild card matches start tomorrow, go Sunday. And then there's, uh, for the I think for the first time ever, a wild card match on Monday night. Um, I believe it is the first time. So yeah, so we have uh, the Raiders at the Bengals tomorrow and the Patriots at the Bills. And then Sunday, we have the Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys, and the Steelers at the Chiefs. And then the final wildcard match on Monday is Arizona uh, Cardinals against the Los Angeles Rams. So back to Terminus for just one second. The San Francisco-Dallas game, I totally understand why it's got the 430 slot on Sunday. I know that that's not probably the, the – it's not that's not the quote-unquote primetime slot. That's the game of the day, um, and, and I understand why it's on at 4.30. That is, that is one thing competing against my desire to, to, to watch Terminus live because this matchup, I think, is the, great, is the best matchup of the weekend because I don't know who – I don't know who, which Dallas team is going to show up, and I think San Francisco is playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. So, and, and Terminus starts about halftime of that show yeah, uh, because it's an earlier start at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock my time. Um, which is interesting. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm sure there's a reason why they're starting that early, um, but I haven't heard what it is. Um, so yeah, it definitely will interfere. There's there's no chance you're going to be able to watch that full game and then, uh, and and fight. Unfortunately, also does not have the peacock uh, able to start from the beginning uh, thing either. So yeah, and then the other other two teams that made the playoffs that we don't mention here are the teams that have the bye. NFC, that's the Green Bay Packers. And for the AFC, that's the Tennessee Titans. All right, yep. so we've we've laid that out. So, oh, 56, uh, Annette just said it's uh, Super Bowl 56, by the way. 56, uh, okay. I, yeah. was, I wasn't on the even number train, but. You were, you were. And I did just uh, quickly, I have the, the post-it note here that has our, our playoff picks that we talked about a few weeks back. Uh, Tom, you hit four of the AFC teams out of the seven. Um. Uh, you had five of the seven NFC teams. So very good job on the NFC. I hit uh, four of the NFC teams, and I only hit three of the AFC teams. I was way off. Uh, I almost had Miami. I, they were coming for it. And then hopefully they fired the next Chicago Bears head coach. But anyways. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a great – their coach I think is great. And and they were definitely on the uptick. I, I, I understand they've been very mediocre in the last two years when you look at their records. But man, Flores, Flores seems to be a really good coach. Yeah, and, and he wasn't sold on Tua and the owner sold on Tua, and apparently that's where the collaboration fell apart. But is I he because they were trying to get Deshaun Watson? Well, apparently it was Flores that was really pushing for Watson. Got it. Okay. So well, that makes I, sense now. I, I think there's a strong chance Flores ends up in Houston if they can get that straightened out and Watson stays there. Um, although I have heard, and I don't know if it's true but I've heard that he is a big Justin Fields fan and I would be very happy if Brian Flores came to the Chicago bears. Uh, I would also be very happy if your head coach from Michigan came to the Chicago bears. I think the Raiders are going to get him. If anybody does, 
but I actually think Michigan's going to back the Prings truck truck up and keep him. So, um, I read an article yesterday. An article might be a an uh, an underselling of what actually it was. Apparently, there's there was an argument between Harbaugh and the AD at Michigan, and he has not signed his contract extension yet, and he's doing it only to play with the fan base because he feels like the fan base, a collective majority of them, turned on him before last season because he wasn't performing quote unquote up to expectations. So now Harbaugh's like, well, cool. You wanted to be a jerk to me. Watch, watch this, hold my beer. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh goes anywhere. I love Steven Ross. Who's a, a Michigan alum and a donor said, you know, we, with the day he fired Flores, he goes, and I'm not going to pursue Jim Harbaugh. Uh, again, that's clout. When you're saying like, again, he clearly is in demand and you're right. He was rumored for the Raiders. Rumored for the Bears, uh, definitely rumored uh, because of the Ross connection in Miami, but we'll see. I I don't want Jim Harbaugh to go anywhere. Michigan's on the ascension, so yeah, back the Brinks truck up, baby. I don't I don't think that Jim Harbaugh, other than the Michigan connection, I don't think Miami is. I I think he wants a bigger market, and Vegas and Chicago certainly give him that if if he were to leave. And if he was he, he was the Bears quarterback for. He was. There's definitely a connection there. Um, so we'll see on that. Uh, but yes, anyways, we were going to make picks. I just, I happened to have that and quickly looked to see how we did. So yeah. no shock, well, Tom beat me in picks yet again. I didn't want to bring that up and I wasn't going to. So, I mean, thank you. I mean, I believe me, like, I don't want to continue to, to have this narrative be what is an overarching storyline in this podcast and in our friendship. But Jim, I appreciate that you're so willing to to put I, it all on the table. <laughs> I was. I did win more, more more money than you in fantasy football this year in, our, in the leagues that we yes, share. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't speak to your other leagues. but So I, I got that little thing over you. But yeah, anything involving picks, good Lord. Um, well, the good thing as we talk and as we revisit our Super Bowl picks is that we both, the picks we made back on episode 59, I think it was 59, um, they're they're alive. We both we both have all of those horses in the race. As I mail that uh, statement appropriately now, uh, I will start because um, I'm I still have a high level of confidence in my picks. I had picked Buffalo and Green Bay, and as you may recall, if you were to go back and listen to that episode, we actually made these picks or formalized these picks. Whether they changed or didn't change, I don't know. We didn't, I don't think we articulated that strongly. Um, it, it all occurred after week one, and both Buffalo and Green Bay had lost in week one of the NFL regular season. They are now both in the playoffs, Buffalo having won the AFC East and Green Bay being the number one seed in the NFC. Buffalo has a tough matchup this Saturday. New England being a divisional uh, and a conference rival makes it tough. I think Bill Belichick is an incredible coach. I think Buffalo has a slight edge, but they have to play really well on both sides of the ball, and they have to force New England to make uh, make mistakes. We'll find out, obviously, by the end of the day Saturday whether or not my AFC pick is still in the mix or not. Um, I do have high confidence in Green Bay. I think Green, I think this is Green Bay's tournament to lose, period, out of all the teams left. Um, I know that actually I saw something a few days ago that where I think they were second or third based on – Either other way, other team, other way, the other like trajectory for current teams or how they're playing. I I, I don't think that Green Bay um, is given the credit they deserve. I think they're the team to beat in in all of the NFL. 
So I so I'm still happy with my pick. I think I don't know that we'll be there on February 13th. I know we'll talk about it here, of course, as the weeks unfold, uh, and either the affirmations that we get or the surprises that we see as the playoffs play out. Yeah, and and uh, you will definitely have one of your uh, picks still in the fight next week because the Packers have a bye this week. Uh, I could lose both of mine this week because both of mine play. I had Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Um, I feel better about Tampa Bay than I do Kansas City, if I'm being honest. Oh, that's interesting. I would have thought you would have gone the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I won't. I don't know that I'll change it necessarily. Um, I, I think both still have a really good chance. Uh, but Tampa Bay, I, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. It just really is hard to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs too. Um, and and Rodgers, I, I agree. Green Bay looks really good, and that feels it hurts to say those words when they come out of my mouth as a Bears fan. Um, but much like it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, for me, it's hard to bet on Green Bay. Green Bay has been to one Super Bowl in all of these playoff runs that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have had. They've been to one. They won it, but they've been to one. Um, they find a way to lose in the playoffs. Um, they run into somebody who gets hot. And I think, I think in the NFL, NFC right now, Tampa Bay, again, hard to bet against. And I agree with you, San Francisco right now is the hottest team maybe in football. Um, so I, I think San Francisco beats Dallas this week. Uh, that's, that's, that's my pick. Um, and, and I'd have to look at the seedings to know who goes where, you know, if everything I think happens. Yeah. And I have those actually, cause I thought it was, I thought it was worthwhile to mention that. So Casey, uh, Pittsburgh is the two seven Buffalo, New England is the three, six and Cincinnati and Vegas is the four, five in the NFC. So it or AFC, excuse me. So if, if seeding bears out and there are no upsets next week, we would get Tennessee, Cincinnati and Kansas city, Buffalo. Again, that's if the seedings bear themselves out. And then on the NFC though, San Francisco would be an upset over Dallas because Dallas won the division. Correct. Yep. So it's Tampa, Philly, two, seven, Dallas, San Fran, three, six, and LA, Arizona, four, five. I also, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, so I agree with you that I think that San Francisco has the biggest shot to pull an upset this weekend uh, without a doubt. So should that happen and should the Eagles or the Cardinals not win, um, and actually, it would be just be the Eagles. It'd be San Francisco going to Green Bay, and 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 it, that's an interesting footnote because the two teams that have prevented Green Bay from getting farther the last couple of years are successively Tampa last year and San Fran the year before, and yep. both were losses in Lambeau Field. Right. So I think I and so I think third time does become the charm. Back to your statement of that you think that you that that Tampa Bay has kind of a, a nose ahead of. KC for you and kind of where you see them going. Both teams have weaknesses, I, 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 which is which is crazy to think about, but they do. I think I think Tampa's weaknesses are greater because I think that their offense is on a gurney, and we're one we're we're we're, we're one roll through a door from having to get the shock pads out and resuscitate. And again, nothing against Tom Brady. I just don't know who who he can throw the ball to. I know, I, know, I know Mike Evans is still there. I know Gronk is still there. They've got some young receivers. But over the last couple losing of weeks. Godwin, losing Godwin was huge. And yeah, obviously yeah. Antonio Brown losing his mind, you know, is huge too. And uh, and, the, and then Fournette, is Fournette still out, I believe? I believe he. Yeah, I think he's done. I, right. I so I just, I just don't know how Tampa pulls it off. And, again, their defense was so strong 
right? Last year in the Super Bowl, that was really kind of what shut down Patrick Mahomes, you know, plus Tom Brady being freaking Tom Brady. I feel like their defense isn't, isn't the same level this year. So, and that's a State Farm Super Bowl, Rodgers, Mahomes, Packers, Chiefs. So, okay. uh, the, the thing that I think could get in the Chiefs' way, frankly, is Tennessee. Um, and I know that feels chalk because they're the number one, but they got the number one seed without having Derrick Henry for the second half of the season. And he's back, baby. And he's back. Now, if he's healthy, I think it's going to be very interesting in two weeks to see how does he look. If he comes back as Derrick Henry, they're going to be hard to beat because a team that can run the ball like that in the playoffs when it's cold and all of that kind of stuff, they're going to be hard to beat. Tennessee's defense is not at the level of some of the other defenses. And so I think that could be, that's their Achilles heel potentially. Um, although they've played better than, um, oh, Fournette might play this week. I'm sorry. I thought he was done for the season, but Annette said Fournette might play. So that would be a huge shot in the arm for Tampa Bay. Um, I, I just, I think Tennessee is going to be tough to beat if Derrick Henry is, Derrick Henry played eight games this year, and he was the ninth running back as far as rushing yards in the NFL. That's Let me crazy. say that again. He played eight games this year, and he got hurt in the eighth game, and he finished ninth in rushing yards in the NFL. Like, that's insane. The guy is just a beast among beasts. Um, so he's going to be hard. Uh, for, the, for Tennessee to get him back is huge. And the fact that they figured out how to get to the number one seed without him um, which maybe is a little bit more about what other teams knocked each other around and, and Tennessee just kind of survived. Um, and that could be very well true. Um, I don't know. They're going to be tough. And I think Buffalo is going to be tough as well. Although Buffalo seems to every once in a while, just have an absolute clunker um, offensively. And I don't understand it when they do it. They tend to do it though, against teams that they shouldn't the team teams that aren't as good. So I think maybe in the playoffs where you're playing all teams, for the most part, that belong there. Pittsburgh does not belong in the playoffs. Um, they're not good. Um, but they got a tie with your Lions, and that snuck them in. So, yay for ties. Um, but I, Pittsburgh's going to get waxed, I think, honestly, on, uh, on is that Saturday, Sunday, whenever Sunday they night. It's the 8.30 game on Sunday night, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Green Bay and Casey played in the regular season. That was the game that Rodgers did miss. Right. Or one of the games he did miss. Uh, and so it was not a sexy final score, 13 to 7. When you think of those two teams, you would go, that's combined 20 points from both. <laughs> right. uh, not not the norm. And did, uh, did Mahomes play that game? I think it was possible he was going to miss it. I think he did play, though. He did play. He did play. Yep. Yeah. I, I want to say Edwards Alaire might have been out that game for okay. KC. So like, the running I think game he was dealing with something because I seem to remember like talk of like, when they put this on the schedule, they didn't think it was going to be Jordan Love versus, uh, you know, Chad Penny. Go blue, baby. Um, so, you know, that's not what you thought when you put Packers Chiefs on the schedule. Um, I, it's going to be fun to watch it play out. I don't know how much I'll see of the games this weekend, just with other things going on in Terminus um, and then uh, and some other obligations I have on Saturday. But um, it's just always fun, and, and I'm looking forward – to the run and to the the Super Bowl, I'm obviously looking forward from a Bears to see who they hire as GM and head coach. Uh, they're interviewing everybody except Tom and I. It seems from the list at this point, which I don't quite understand. I think we'd be, I think we'd at least make good GMs. Um, I don't know about head coaches, maybe, but I'm not calling plays. I'm gonna hire somebody to do that. Um, and again, this is the NFL, but it's a tournament. And if you've ever listened to us here before, I know without a doubt, at some point in the 
last 70 plus episodes, we've said we both love tournaments. So we it do. doesn't have to be exclusive to pro wrestling. Oh, absolutely. No, any tournament. Um, we got another one coming in March that we both love. You know, we got this one. Uh, so it'll be fun. I wish one of our teams was in it so we could have a dog in the fight. I admit. Um, and I think, you know, most people here understand if you listened, um, I am a 49ers fan for the playoffs. Uh, you know, for my, my brother was a Niners fan. My mom is a Packers fan. And so I'm sorry, mom, uh, but I'm a Bears fan and I just can't root for them. So <laughs> I am a 49ers fan uh, for the playoffs. I will be rooting for them this weekend uh, against Dallas. I would root for them against Dallas anyways, because it's Dallas and it, and next to the Packers, it's probably the team I hate the most. So um, one of these years, we're going to be doing this podcast and my Bears and your Lions will both be in the playoffs and it'll be great. Maybe they could even meet in the playoffs. That would be outstanding. But we both got some work to do before that happens. Tom just gave me the side eye for those everybody that are listening on uh, on the podcast side. Um, I, I will say I'm very happy the Lions did not fire Dan Campbell. I think you got a good head coach in Detroit. I think you got a scrappy team and we'll see what they can add in the draft this year. They've got, you know, the number two pick. So should be able to get a good edge rusher or lineman. Yeah. And they have the Rams pick wherever the Rams bear out. So as, mu- as much as as much as I, you know, think that the Rams have a big ceiling and could go far, they could also be out come Monday. Which, for the purposes of that draft pick, I, I'm I'm only in favor of it because of that. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I I assume you're pulling for Matthew Stafford a little bit. I am, yeah. So my I, I've already we have a I threw up a thread on our on the Facebook group that we're part of. Um, my picks already that I did throw up there were Bengals, Bills, though I admit that's the second toughest game of the weekend uh, in terms of the matchup. Then I have Bucks. I have Cowboys because I'm going to say the right Dallas team shows up. But again, that's that that's a that's a coin flip for me. That's the coin flip of the weekend. Um, Chiefs without a doubt. And then I do have the Rams. And, and I echo all of those picks with the exception of I have the Niners over the Cowboys. Um, the only other one that I, well, yeah, the Bills Patriots, I him and Han, um, I, I'm picking the Bills, but, um, again, it's hard to bet against Bill Belichick in the playoffs too. Um, although we haven't seen that without Tom Brady yet, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year. So, um, but he has certainly got that team back to relevance real fast, uh, with Mac Jones running the show. And then I think the Cardinals Rams, I, I think the Rams win, but you know, the Cardinals have the talent to be the best team in the NFL. Um, and they are getting J.J. Watt back, so that'll help in the pass rush a little bit. Um, I, I think the Cardinals could, but I just don't – again, they're kind of they're kind of the Bills to me in a little bit in that they play clunker sometimes when you don't understand why in the world they're playing a clunker. So maybe they've got another year or two to mature before they're going to really be what they I think they can be and what they looked like they were actually for the first five or six games of the season. Um so it wouldn't shock me to see the Cardinals win, but I, I think the Rams win. I think just the way they've played lately, those two teams, I think the Rams are the better team. And, and I mean, when you've got probably the best wide receiver in football in Cooper Cup, which feels weird to say when Devontae Adams is still in the NFL, um, I, but Cup has been just phenomenal all year. And so it's hard to bet against that. They might be getting Cam Akers back. The Rams are going to be tough. Um, the Rams are, you know. The Rams are, are going to be a hard team, a hard out in the playoffs. So it'll be fun to watch. We'll see what happens this weekend. Um, see if if all of our dogs are, are still in the fight or in the horse, as Tom said earlier. Um, 
I don't even know what that means, but we'll see if they're there. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, again, always good to be with all of you. We hope you've enjoyed the last hour and 35 minutes of your life listening to us or however many, however long it's taken you to get through this episode if you listen to Chunks while you're in the car, which is what I do with podcasts. So, um, But uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, I feel like we say that every week, but we really mean it. And, and it feels like maybe we have to say it even a little bit more right now just with everything we're dealing with in the country. Let's get through it. Um, we've been saying that for two years, but we'll get there. Um, let's get through it. Stay safe. Enjoy some wrestling this weekend. Enjoy some football or whatever else it is you want, you're doing this weekend. Enjoy it. And, uh, we'll see you again in a week or see you or talk to you again, um, in a week or so here on two spot monkeys live.